Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. On DAB, online, on the app and on your smart speaker. Order, order. All rise for following on Ash's inquest on TalkSport. Hello, welcome to Following on Ash's Inquest as we look back at day one of the fourth test at Old Trafford here in day 15 of this marvellous topsy-turvy Ashes series. It was a day that followed a pattern that we should be used to by now. First up for the fourth time in a row, Stokes won the toss and he could not wait to let his bowlers get stuck into the Aussies. Oh, now that's closer, that's closer. Yes, given. This could be wicket number 599 for Broad. Early success for England then, but they were kept waiting for more with uh, just Warner going before lunch and Australia scoring at good rate. 100 runs uh, in the bag. Uh, and then at T, 184 for four. Although Smith and Labuschagne had both departed. Australia was still in the better position, but that was to change again with Stuart Broad brought back into the attack. And for the 600th time in his career, he did the job for England. Oh, it's taken. England's plan has worked. Broad has his man. And it is 600 for Stuart Broad. England buoyed by that. But Mitch Marsh picked up where he left off at Headingley. And with Cameron Green, they put on 50. And they did so quickly. But just as Australia started to, to dream of 400... Chris Wokes removed both of them in the same over, with Marsh caught behind brilliantly by Bairstow. Oh, that's a beauty. Now, has that been taken? It has. What a moment that is. A man that has been under immense pressure has taken a worldie of a catch. Brilliant from Bairstow. From fears of 400 to dreams of 300, England sniffed an opportunity to be batting by stumps. And although Wokes returned to nip out Carey with the second new ball, England were to fall just short. Australia 298 for eight at stumps. And the destination of the Ashes still very much in the air. And there's plenty to talk about. You're listening to Following On Ashes Inquest on Talk Sport. Right. Harmy, first up, big thanks to Sky Sports Cricket for those uh, highlights clips. But yeah, where should we start? Bairstow's catch, Chris Wokes with four wickets, or 
wicket number 600 for Stuart Broad. He's out there on the field still doing the media. It might be some time before Sam Ellard gets to ask a question. But quite brilliant from a man that, uh, well, he's done it again for England, didn't he? He did do it again for England. I really want to talk about Chris Wokes. I've backed Johnny Bairstow for years to be the wicketkeeper and the elation, not only on Johnny's face, but on the rest of the fielders, England England players' face, to, to sort of see Johnny take that catch. But you've got to start with Broad. I was there in uh, in Sri Lanka when he was given his cap for the first time and played in his, in his debut. Part of the 2009 when he, he announced himself in Ashes cricket, at the Oval, as I was, me and Andrew Flintoff were taking our bow and walking off into the sunset, knowing that England were in great hands under Broad and Anderson. To see the way Anderson and Broad have took this this England team has been unbelievable. And to see Stuart today go past 600, only two seam bowlers have gone past 600. Broad and Anderson tells you exactly what these two guys have meant to English cricket. Um, and Chris Wilkes has had a fantastic day, but again, he's been overshadowed by a bit of Stuart Broad brilliance in, in Ashes. Compared, the competitiveness of, of Stuart in the Ashes is, uh, is, is fantastic. But it, it is that, isn't it? He's a bowler that's often needed. Just that, that extra bit of uh, incentive, I suppose. There were times when it seemed like he was coasting a little bit, maybe found things too easy, maybe he was starting to drift, maybe the game just wasn't, you know, captivating and energising him in the same way that uh, it's never seemed to dip with players like Anderson. But you know, what is it about Broad that means that when it comes to the Ashes, and if you look at his record, there's a great article, by the way, by Tim Wigmore. He's just posted it on the Daily Telegraph. Go and have a, a read of it. But, you know, with that wicket, not only was it number 600 for Broad, it was wicket number 149 against the, against the Aussies. You know, he's got a much better, he's got a much superior record than uh, Jimmy Anderson does against Australia. Anderson's got a phenomenal record, by the way. 118 wickets to 35. Broad... 149 wickets. He's gone past Beefy, Beefy Botham, um, at an average of 29. And those series winning spells roll off the tongue. The Oval 2009, um, Chesterley Street 2013, and of course the most famous of them all, Trent Bridge in 2015. You know he was he he keeps the best for the best, doesn't he? And um, when all said and done, he's probably the bowler over any other that the Australia side now and going back all those years will be the most relieved to see uh, see depart the scene. Yeah, I think obviously when he if, uh, at the end of the Oval Test match, I would imagine that will be Stuart for for the Ashes. I, I can't imagine him going to to Australia. I'd be very surprised if he goes to Australia again. Um, and the, the record is is frightening. You mentioned the Anderson one. Anderson played in the in the the, the six seven five nil drubbing. I think that the Test matches that were there on his record. Broad was fortunate not to be involved in that one so early. But the Australians just seem to bring the best out of, of Stuart Broad. And I'm not sure if it was because of that one, just that one incident, that one catch, where. He didn't walk and the guys back up and he became public enemy number one. And it seemed that every time Stuart Broad went into a Nash's series, it was always broad against Australia. It was always broad against Australia. And when you've got a character like Stuart, who loves to rise to the challenge, um, I think that probably reignited his, 
his his love for playing against Australia because it was the whole of Australia against Stuart Broad when Darren Lehman said just wait till you come over to uh, just wait till you come over to Australia and let's see what you get and I don't think Brody's looked back from from that moment. He had some great times before it, but I think that just sort of you know, reignited his his love to play against the Aussies and. Yeah, again, watching him today, the smile on his face. You've got to remember, this is a guy jump who we were probably only expecting to play one or two test matches. He even admitted that himself. He was on probably a life support when he, when he went into that island test match literally five weeks ago. And here's a guy who was keeping England, into, not single-handedly, but keeping England in the ashes um, with performances like he has done today, like he did it you know, during the, uh, the last Test match at Headingley and, and he's, he's keeping this, he's driving this England bowling attack forward. So it's, uh, it's great to see and long may it continue for the foreseeable future, i.e. the next sort of seven or eight days of, of international Test match crashes cricket um, because England need him. England really do need him because Wokes has bowled well and others have, have, have bowled around him, but Stuart Broad, for me, stand alone from an England bowling point of view in this series so far. I'm going to send you a WhatsApp message that I sent before the series started. It wasn't everybody who was expecting him just to play one test, you know. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I sent a message. I can see Broad playing all five tests. Yes, you did say it. You, I remember you do that. I did. I, I, I finally got one right. Well, not that he's played <laughs> at the Oval yet, of course. He's, well, he's, by the way, I, I'm watching him now, and... So the media are waiting for him to go and chat to them. And he's just out there chewing the ear off of Glenn McGrath. Glenn McGrath and uh, Stuart Broad just sitting back talking. They're not even on TV. He's done his TV <laughs> bits. But you know what he's like. He just loves talking about. And he talks brilliantly talk, as well. He does, doesn't he? He is brilliant. He what talks as good as his bowling as well. He's fantastic. In depth as well, John. That's the thing for me when he talks. He bowls. His bowling has always been... Somebody who you can see he's thinking, you can see his mind's ticking over. How he's going to get this batsman out? How he's going to set him up? How he's going to move him across the crease? And then when he comes on camera, he talks. And when he talks about the game, he talks about it in exactly the same detail, in the same way. The passion he's got for the game of cricket is, is second to none. And that's why he's, he's been such a, a wonderful ambassador for this country. Um, what about Anderson then? We are going to talk about Wokes. Uh, Jared Kim is going to be joining us very shortly. We're going to hear from Jeremy Coney, who's going to be giving uh, he's, he's going to be uh, giving his thoughts on Moeen Ali, how he went today, and the decision, of course, by Australia not to play Todd Murphy. We're going to hear some very interesting comments from Minus Labuschagne as well, uh, very shortly. But just before we uh, we hit the break, just very quickly, how do you feel Anderson went today? Because Broads, you know. Oh, and he's now posing for a photo. Phil Brown, I think it is. Actually, no, it's just somebody else's hair like Phil Brown, the photographer. Um, no, it is Phil Brown, of course. There's only is. one Phil Brown. There is only one <laughs> Phil Brown, thankfully. Um, he's just posing with the ball. It's not like Brawl's even taken five for today. It's Chris Wokes who's taken four. But either way, um, he's got all the headlines as, as Brawdy. But, you know, Anderson again, no wickets today. And that inside edge passes own stumps by Mitchell Stott. The went for four, just pretty much capped up how it's yeah. gone, isn't it? It's his face said it all. Jimmy's face said it all. You start to laugh. Twenty-one years in the game, he knows. He's been here before. He knows the other pitfalls of what his age, the way things are going. Not many in the wicket column throughout the series. There's going to be question marks. I actually thought he bowled all right. You know, I really did. I thought there was a passage of play just after lunch where he, along with Wokes, dragged Smith across the crease just before lunch, and then Wokes just after lunch. And, and Mark Wood got the wicket. Uh, these these things happen for Jim, unfortunately. Um, there will always be question marks because of the, the, the sort of the end of the career that he's that he's at. But 
I, I, I'm still not writing them off yet because Jimmy Anderson will, will bowl a whole lot worse in the second innings and possibly come have four or five wickets. It really is the way the game goes. You know, you, you feel as though the game is just, you know, you, you just you can't get the grasp of what's going wrong. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, you bowl a long hop, gets dragged down, straight down mid-square uh, leg's throat. And all of a sudden, you're off. You get a couple of nicks and you're going, I've got three for bowling a lot worse than I was when I was bowling yesterday and not looking like getting a wicket. So, unfortunately, he's been here. He's ugly enough. He knows enough. And that's just cricket. Brilliant stuff. Well, look, as I say, we've got uh, plenty to talk about on the show. Jarrah uh, Kimber's uh, waiting patiently by my side. So we're going to talk to him. Uh, and as I say, here for Minus Labashane, who feels that Australia really threw it away today. Uh, 299 for eight Australia at stumps on day one. Four wickets going the way of Chris Wokes. Uh, a wicket number 600 in his career for Stuart Broad. Um, uh, a wicket for Moeen Ali as well, who's uh, a little bit of uh, licorice all sorts from him. But yeah, plenty to talk about here on the inquest. Please get involved if you so wish. Uh, Stuart Broad, um, is he the most, uh, I don't know, what, where does he stand in your, in your thoughts uh, out there? Um, is it, would it be a crime shame for him to walk away from the game at the end of the Oval? Should he stick around and bring through some of the new England bowlers? Are we going to lose him to Sky Sports? We shall see. Either way, get involved. 81089. Call us. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burroughs Memorial Day sale at burrowcom slash ACAST. That's burrowcom slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. 0371722344 or uh, drop us a message on social media at cricket underscore TS. You're listening to Following On Ashes Inquest. You're listening to Following On Ashes Inquest with myself, John Norman and uh, Steve Harmison. Looking back at day one of the fourth test here uh, in Manchester. It's a beautiful evening. It was cloudy earlier on when Ben Stokes uh, won the toss. Pat Cummins' shoulders slumped and Stokes said he wanted to have a bowl. Cummins needn't really have worried, or he shouldn't have worried. Uh, it wasn't a pitch with any real demons on it. In fact, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven Australian batters reached 20. Only two of them reached 50, and none of them reached 52. One of those, Marnus Labashane, uh, has just been speaking to the press, saying he wasn't too impressed with the Australian batting today and feels it should have been better. 
I think anything with a three in front of it is all right. Uh, I think where we were and the, how many guys got themselves in, I think we'd be slightly disappointed with, with you know, no one getting a, a big score. Uh, but I think, you know, the statistics are really skewed here in England to first inning scores above 300. For me, it was the process that I was happy with. Um, I was happy with my decision-making, which has been the part that's really been frustrating me from a personal side. Uh, but I stuck to the process. I felt like we were so close to, to turning it there, Hedy and I, to getting a big, big, really big partnership together. And obviously, yeah, probably a little bit lazy on that, that, that try to turn it to the league side. And then uh, Moen got me. Mm, Jarrah Kimber is alongside us, uh, broadcaster and part of the uh, commentary team here on TalkSport and TalkSport 2. You feel the same, Labashane? Um, there was a lot of players. Uh, Warner caught behind for 32, Smith LBW for 41. Uh, you were with me in the box just before then. He looked good up until mm-hmm. that point. Labashane went past 50 for the first time. Uh, he was uh, LBW on review to Moeen. Head, first over after the tea break, mm-hmm. hooking. Um and even Mitchell Marsh, I mean, it was a brilliant catch from Bester. Actually, it was probably the ball of the day. It turned him inside out. But Australia, when you've got that amount of batters that have reached 30, there's quite a few of them, for none of them to go on, it's, it's, it's quite un-Australian, actually. It's the first time in Test cricket history that numbers 3, 4, 5 and 6 have scored between 40 and 51. So it's not just un-Australian. <laughs> it's un-Test cricket. Um, it's un-everybody. Look, I think... If they'd ended up today at a score of, what, 320 for five, which, considering how a lot of them batted, I don't think is wildly out of control, uh, they would have retained the Ashes, right? And I know that you and I don't care as much about retaining the Ashes as winning each series as some people do, but... You know, realistically, that's what they would have done. And they've given up that chance for no real reason. I still think that, I think Mana said, you know, it'd be nice to have a score with a three in front of it. Well, I mean, they scored 299, didn't they? They couldn't be any closer to a score with a three in front of it. But uh, they've given themselves plenty of chance to, you know, score maybe 300, 320 tomorrow. Um, and I think the ball was moving around. They could easily take a bunch of wickets, still get a 100-run lead. I thought there was good movement for England bowlers all day. But the difference is that this could be over. Now, if they were if they were uh, five wickets down at this point, England would have been pretty much out of this series. They wouldn't have had a chance of winning it at the very least. And Australia gave that up. They have to be disappointed with that, being that so many of their batters got into positions where they should have made at least 70, let alone, you know, 150. Yeah, they've, they've missed that. obviously they missed the opportunity to, to really ram home the advantage and potentially take the Ashes away from from England. But you go on the on the team selection, they've got a chance, they had a chance bat first and bat big, and that's probably what they were looking at. But there was encourage, there's encouraging signs for Australia with the Bolands that got five five mm. seamers. I know there was a little bit of turn there for for, for Moen Ali, but the ball did a bit. It didn't. It wasn't a, a flat wicket by any stretch of the imagination. There was a little bit in that can Australia you know even though they've missed an opportunity can they hold that to the fact that if we do get 320 it's still a decent score to to set the game up with yeah I mean look they've got five seamers they've got Mitchell Marshall swing it a little bit they've got Cameron Green when they need some bounces um and they have Cummins I mean I would say Stark's probably as good in bowling in test cricket now as I've ever seen him bowl in the last couple of weeks. Um, you know, the only other time I've ever seen him bowl like that is against poorer batting lineups. But this is against, a, you know, a firing batting lineup. And I think he's a lot better uh, than I've seen. And obviously Hazelwood's come back in. 
they've got the bowlers to be able to roll them for 220 or 230 without it being a magical bowling spell. And we saw Wokes when he got uh, Mitch Marsh out. That, that they're still a little bit in this wicket if you get it right. So I, I mean, it's not that Australia have had a bad day by any stretch. It's just that they didn't do what they could have done. There was just so many starts and they could have done it. But I'm not too worried about Todd Murphy not bowling. Um, I, I don't think he would have bowled much in this game. I mean, the funny thing is, uh, as as you know, John, uh, it's not like England actually bat for that long that you need a spinner to rest anyone. Um, let's talk about uh, the Australian perception of Jimmy Anderson and Stuart Broad. Uh, Stuart Broad, as I've just been talking with Steve Harmison about, nobody has taken more Ashes wickets uh, England uh, from, from England than he. He's gone past Ian Botham's record. Um, how do Australia perceive Stuart Broad as opposed to how they perceive Jimmy Anderson? Yeah, I, I think Jimmy Anderson just doesn't have as much an, of an impact on Australian cricket fans because he hasn't been particularly good in Australia over long periods of time. I know we he had the 10-11 ashes, but you know when he's playing in Australia, we haven't seen the best of Jimmy Anderson. And so I think from that perspective, he probably hasn't got as much of an impact. Whereas if you go back to 2009, you know, Broad essentially you know, is the deciding player in that Ashes. Even you have the whole career mail stuff that I think Harmy was talking about before when the newspaper was calling him, you know, he was on the front page of the newspaper and they were trolling him. Uh, You know, uh, all these different things that have happened to him over the years and big spells and the Trent Bridge spell and all these different things. I think he has a much bigger impact. The one thing I would say is that uh, Stuart Broad is about a foot taller than Jimmy Anderson, of course, and it makes sense that he probably has more of an impact in Australia at times than, than Anderson has. Anderson probably more suited to English conditions and Broad probably more suited to Australian conditions. Let, also, remember that when he turned up in Australia to play club cricket all those years ago, he was a batter and he was basically sledged into being a fast bowler. So in some ways, and I think, I think Glenn McGrath was his hero, wasn't he, when he was a kid? So... He's always had this weird, um, you know, relationship with Australia, even if you go to his father, who was probably at his best against Australia as well. And to carry on, just uh, obviously the way you, you're a historian of, of, of cricket and you encyclopedia of cricket, Jared, it's not so much where will Brody end up mm. in it, but how many wickets do you reckon the closest Seymour will get to between Broad and Anderson for the rest? Where, because where Test cricket's going? Yeah, it's a really, really good question because you would. The only way it's going to happen, Harm, is if we have a split now. Because I think any seamer who's good enough to take 600 or 800 wickets um, is, you know, going to be in a situation where they're just not going to spend enough time playing Test cricket, right? So, if Test cricket has a split, you might get a bowler who goes off. I mean, if you, if, if, if Anderson and Broad were coming through now, they would be T20 bowlers. Right, Broad's actually a really good T20 bowler outside of the Yuvraj Singh um, situation, and Jimmy was a really good white bowler, f- bowler for a long time. Jimmy is still England's leading yeah. ODI wicket. Exactly, and so it, th- that's the problem now, Harmy. Is someone comes through, they're going to have split allegiances, right? Like, like Rabada is probably fit enough and talented enough. Maybe South Africa don't play quite enough tests, but he's fit enough and talented enough to take a lot of wickets. He's going to be exhausted if he has to do it. He's playing everywhere. So let's look ahead to day two. And, uh, I mean, you feel that Australia will still feel confident that they can limit England to a score around 300. But again today, it just seemed to me that there was a tentative nature to Australia's batting. Their strength is still their bowling. But they've also been over-reliant in this series on two bowlers. Hmm? You know, Scott Boland uh, um, has obviously is out the side now. He's averaging over 100, I think, for his two wickets. Josh Hazelwood, I don't think, bowled particularly brilliantly. And, of course, Nathan Lyon, um, you know, he's out of the series. Mm. We, may, we may not see him play against England again. I hope that's not, uh, not the case. But 
Australia cannot afford for that situation to occur again. It can't just be Cummins and Stark and those two looking around for some support, which at times has happened in this series. Yeah, I thought Mitchell Marsh bowled quite well in the last... Te- I mean, he's not going to bowl more than about 12 or 14 overs, but if he can wobble the ball around a little bit, then he's quite handy. Um, Cameron Green's coming back from an injury, so I'm not sure how much they want to rely on his bowling. Uh, I think you're right, Hazelwood hasn't been at his best, but it's still Josh Hazelwood, and uh, you know he's a fantastic bowler. But look, Australia is in this situation. When, when you look at it, it's basically been what? Head, Kawaja, Cummins, Stark... Am I missing anyone else who's had a major impact on this series? I know Steve Smith made the, the 100, didn't he? So they've really relied on quite a few p- players. And that's the reason that England's still in the series. If Australia had had six or seven players even playing good at, at, at this point, they probably would have already uh, won this series quite easily. Yeah, and I think a lot of that, a big difference, possibly lying going home. That mm. would have been that's the, the the bit of luck. And England have had huge amounts of luck in this in this series, Jared, and, and the toss and everything that that goes with it. But when you when you look at it going forward, yeah, what will that dressing room? You're talking about dear too, but there's been a a lot of things going against Australia. What will that? What's it taking out of this dressing room? You know the the ins and outs of what's going on in the Australian mind. What will it take out? Can they keep going and going and going um, after a deer where they're probably thinking at lunchtime, do you know what? We've got a great chance of winning these sashes. Look, it's a really pragmatic team. It's not an overly emotional team. So I, I think they'll be thinking, well, okay, we didn't have the day we wanted. We didn't end up five wickets down and massively in front, but we have scored 300. And we think on a, on a pitch like this, we can just keep chipping away back at England. I think it, uh, this is a bowler series, right, Harmy? I think yeah. both bowling teams I, I, all the time are thinking, well, yeah, this guy's going well at this stage, but we'll eventually get him out outside of, you know, a couple of Kawadra innings and, and, you know, Head and Stokes. Everyone else has looked like eventually they're going to be dismissed in this inning. So I think that's how Australia will think about it. And they are very pragmatic from that point of view. They still have five bowling options available to them. And, uh, you know, they might be, if they're, <laughs> depending on how they look at it, but they might be looking at the 40 millimetres of rain that is scheduled over Saturday and Sunday and thinking to themselves, one more good day here might be enough. Okay, well, if they're relying on the weather forecast in this country, then... uh, (laughs) Yeah, good luck. But, uh, Jared, thank you very much. Uh, You will uh, be back, no doubt, at the end of uh, one of the days' play that we uh, uh, still have ahead, irrespective uh, of whether there's weather on Saturday or Sunday. Uh, Still got plenty to talk about on the show. We're going to hear from Stuart Broad at some point. Some really interesting things coming out of the press conference. Uh, We're going to hear from the former New Zealand spinner, uh, a middle-order bats batter, actually, uh, Jer- Jeremy Coney. Um, and uh, we're going to be looking ahead to day two of this, the fourth test of five here at Old Trafford. Uh, you're listening to Talk Sport, myself, John Norman, Steve Harmison, and this is Following On Ashes Inquest. You're listening to uh, Following On Ashes Inquest here on Talk Sport. Uh, following us eight o'clock, it's the Transfer Insiders as Majestic and Rory Jennings discuss the latest transfer news and rumours. And Rory joins us uh, now in the studio. Rory, what is coming up on the show? Hi, right, John. Yeah, but there's loads going on today. It really has been a busy day. Uh, Fabrizio Romano has been incredibly, incredibly busy. We've got a lot to talk about, and I think that the uh, the focus will initially be on Jordan Henderson. Jordan Henderson's move to the Saudi league is looking like it's on. There's lots and lots of uh, things to discuss here. It's a very layered uh, issue. So we're going to be delving into this one head first. I'm, uh, I'm very much looking forward to it. 
Brilliant stuff, Rory. Thank you very much. It is a laid issue. Absolutely right. I'm not sure what I would do if offered £700,000 a week. Um, but I would continue to host this show, of course. And nothing could drag me away from the cricket. It's been absolutely exceptional. Um, now, if you love TalkSport, then join the club today. You To link your Alexa and TalkSport accounts, just say, Alexa, ask news broadcasting to log me in. We'll send a link to your Alexa app. You only need to do it once, and you'll become a part of the club of the world's biggest sports radio station, which is TalkSport. Um, OK, so earlier this evening, uh, Sam Ellard, who's been with me throughout the day, going out there, talking to the fans, uh, getting me tea and coffee. He also caught up with a former New Zealand all-rounder, Jeremy Coney, to get his reaction after day one at Old Trafford. Jeremy, it's been a, another compelling day of, of test cricket. Not a great deal to separate the, the two sides. What have you made of, of what we've seen so far on day one as we come towards the end? It's been interesting, hasn't it? Because uh, the pitch this morning, I felt, looked that russet-coloured uh, one that we had at Edgbaston. It obviously had a bit more pace than that. Uh, Australia started quite well. I thought their running between the wickets was urgent. Uh, they, they lost an important wicket early of Kawaja, who's absorbed a lot of balls and used time that, that you find that the English side take time away in a game and to, in order to try and take the 20 wickets. But the, in a sense, they gift time to the other side. And, and other sides so far, I think, have been complicit and they haven't been able to do that. But Kawaja, particularly for Australia, has been able... So that was a key wicket, I think. Other than that, uh, yes, it has been a good day. Uh, a lot of the Australian batsmen have been able to get in and then get out. So there's been some slightly loose cricket at times from them to get some batsmen getting to 40 and some to 50 and so on. So while their score at the moment is sort of approaching 300 for seven mm -hmm. and they're having a little you know, resurgence with a partnership at, between Carey and Stark at the moment, uh, I, uh, look... It's even Stevens kind of thing, and if uh, Australia will want to get 350, I think, uh, and if they can go further, of course. Uh, but but England are fighting quite hard. I think Wokes has been the pick of the bowlers for uh, England today. He's nipped the ball about. He's had the seam nice and upright. He's challenged the top of off. He's got the ball to swing away a little bit. So that that is a quite a potent mixture, I think. Uh, also, Wood has done his job as well. He's picked up the important mm. wicket of Smith. Um, so, you know, the, the game's poised, mm. as you say. Uh, let's wait and see what continues. I don't think they're going to get through to... Maybe they might get one or two overs with the new ball. You mentioned right at the beginning about the colour of the wicket and yeah. how it was reminding you of Edgbaston. Yeah. Go right back to the beginning of the day. Were you surprised that England bowled first? No, in the sense that, one, they like to chase. So they like to bat second and last. Two, they like to use and get into the business of taking the 20 wickets as soon as possible. Three, uh, they know that there's the potential of some rain arriving on days, oh, Saturday, Sunday, mm -hmm. I don't know, it's days four and five. Yeah. So they need to get on with it. Um, Yes, it, I mean, it's, I mean, Aussie really have missed a wee chance with the, the nice weather and the sun out today to make as many as they can. And finally, Jeremy, England will have some more work to do on day two with the ball to try and take the final couple of wickets. We think 
there's going to be a lot of rain around on the weekend, so maybe not that much time left in the game. What on earth are we going to expect tomorrow with the bat from England? Could this boy basball times 10? Could they go even harder than what they normally do in test cricket? Could they, could they try and honestly go into tomorrow thinking we wouldn't be bowling at Australia come five o'clock tomorrow? Well, that, that might be one of their options. Um, it's going to make it extremely interesting the way that they, they play. They might get away with, with accelerating what they're already doing. Uh, that's going to be, that will result in more chances. You can't get away from that. And if, if Australia can clutch on to those, who knows what can happen. If it goes well for England, they might bat into the, you know, perhaps to the morning of day three, but then they're going to have to move, move the game along, aren't they? But if they do that and they do it well, they'll be ahead yeah. at that time. You're supporting England, right? I'm just neutral here. <laughs> I'm a Kiwi boy and I'm neutral and I can be objective a bit more about it. Come on, it comes down to the oval though. One team's winning 3-2. Who yeah. do you want to win, England or Australia 3-2? Ooh, it's got to be the England, come on. Oh We've got I a great relationship, England. Austra Australia, uh, it's, yeah, it's a very tricky one for me. Uh, I can't win this one, you see, but I hope that New Zealand do well. <laughs> <laughs> Jeremy, thank you. It's a pleasure. Well, Ben Stokes was born in New Zealand and Brendan Cullen is a Kiwi. So I think we both know, Steve Harmison, exactly who Jeremy Coney will be rooting for at the Oval if it is two apiece. Uh, we haven't spoken about the moment of the day, by the way. Best you know you, well, I mean, That was ridiculous, isn't it? The look on his face when uh, even he didn't believe it was it stuck. He had to have a little look, didn't he? Um, the, rest, the, the crowd didn't realise. The players didn't realise. Nobody realised. Um, until Bearstow's big smiling mug appeared and uh, he got jumped on by 10 other blokes. And the crowd here, when they saw the catch um, up on the big screen, well, that's a moment. Now, I hope Johnny Bearstow was able to, get to, to take some of that in because it was a heartfelt uh, and very genuine uh, affection and warmth that was being sent his way after an absolute stunning catch to get rid of. Who was it, actually? It's all the, so, so long ago now. Marsh. Mitch Marsh. Mitch Marsh, yeah. The ball was an absolute beauty. Well, that's it. And of course, 62, Wokes, 62 overs old, nipped to wit. He did, didn't he? And it was Wokes. Two balls in, two wickets in five balls. And it's it's just a story of Chris Wokes' life, though, isn't it? Even <laughs> then, he gets overshadowed. It is. With, with, if Wokes, has, what has he got? He's got, four, he's got four wickets. He's got four for 52 of 19 overs. And all we're talking about, 600 wickets for Stuart Broad. For, uh, uh, unbelie and it was. I was so pleased for Johnny. I love Johnny. I think he's great. And I, and I, and I want to see him succeed. And he can't run away from the criticism he's had because he's dropped a couple of catches. I actually thought the Warner catch at the start was a really good catch because it went hard at him and it went to his non-dominant side, which is low to his left. And it went fast. And that was another one off Chris Wokes early in the game. Give him a little bit of confidence. He, he wobbled a few and shelled a couple. That just dipped and wobbled. And it was interesting carry talking this morning uh, to Mark Butcher about how different bowling attacks in England produce different um, uh, problems for wicket keepers and England bowlers make it wobble just that little bit more when it goes beyond the bat but you, know, you can't you can't hide the fact that Johnny's dropped a couple of catches so to see him take that 
and then to see his teammates reaction to see the captain's reaction and then to see the crowd's reaction it should be it should mean a lot to Johnny to know that even in these dark times and it will we talked to Garant Jones last night and it's exactly what we said what Garant said last night wasn't it you know he was gonna go he wanted to die in a hole he wanted to you know he just wanted to close the door we dragged him to the dogs we give him some sort of comfort we made sure that he had a good night and he came back the next morning took that great catch off one-handed off that bounced off, off Strauss's knee and I'm sure the team are getting round Johnny through as much as they possibly can and he's took an absolute stunner today and hopefully that will kick into his batting as well absolutely well, we're still going to hear from Stuart Broad uh, later on in the show we're going to get a little bit of fan reaction on Jimmy Anderson as well uh, we've got uh, an update from the world match play darts in Blackpool where I believe there's been a, a cricket related walk-on um, from one of the Aussie darts players so uh, plenty to come here uh, on the show a quick word about Steve Smith though Harmy because he's only gone past 50 once he's his uh, his shot to get off the mark first ball Chris Wokes was bowling was as bizarre a moment as uh, and we've seen plenty of bizarre moments if he'd gone out in that manner essentially hoiking one um, uh, to uh, to the left of Mark Wood who was at kind of a long leg leg deep backwards square leg kind of position just in off the boundary if he got out in that fashion you would not be able to tell me that Basball hasn't played some part in the mentality and the approach that Australia brought to their game in this series yeah I agree and I think but I think when you look at Steve Smith's innings as over the course of the last sort of 12 18 months he's he's come hard early and then sat in and and grounded grounded teams into the ground be interesting I would talk to Jared about that one who's watched Australia a lot closer than what than what we have but Steve Smith he's been aggressive in this series early in his innings and then once he's got in he's got going and he's really tried to sort of put put you know time at the crease pressure on on the opposition by the person the ego the average of 60 it's a lot harder when as the deer goes on and that everything you're throwing at Steve Smith and he gets to 40, he gets to 50. But again, he, he top-edged that one that went over Mark Wood's head. He wasn't in the wrong position. Andy Jacobs said he was in the wrong position. He wasn't. Unfortunately, it's the longest part of the boundary and you have to try and save two. Then he runs down the wicket and hits Mo and Ali for six, second ball. And you're thinking, well, I wonder if we're on for another Steve Smith, Smith special. But I actually got to give credit to the bowlers here. I thought the bowlers were excellent to Steve Smith. Chris Wokes bowled a lot wider and hid the ball. And that's maybe something that England can take into the remainder of this series, that he wants to feel bat and ball. He wants to impose himself early in his innings. And I think because England hid the ball outside of stump with Anderson and Wokes, when Wood come on, them sort of rocket, them thunderbolts that Wood's got, catching you on the crease. I thought England did very, very well to Steve Smith in that little passage of play, which you've got to give credit to the bowlers on that front. Brilliant stuff. OK, well, look, we're going to hear from Stuart Broad very, very shortly here. Uh, you're listening to myself, John Norman, Steve Harmison, and this is following on Ash's Inquest. Series so far, a bit of a mixed bag, to be honest with you, without insulting him. He's been good today. He's been a bit unlucky, a few drop catches, in it? That's not really helped him, to be honest with you, but... Generally, his ball has been pretty good. To be fair, he's been a bit static this series, yeah. to be fair. He hasn't took that, that many wickets, I don't think. I think Jimmy's given his all today. I think we're all impressed with what he's done. Uh, but he's been off for the last game. He wasn't involved, wasn't he? So he's come back in at his own ground, bowling from his own end. Yeah, really impressed. Jimmy should have played. Josh Tong should have played because Josh like showed up at Lord's and he had a, had a raw deal. But 
Jimmy always deserves a crack, man. When you when you've got an elite player in an elite circumstance, they deserve an opportunity. I can't really see him going on from this. I think this is going to be his last one. And what a series to finish if we can finish on a win for England and we finish three two. Fantastic. Yeah. Well, that's uh, just some of the views of some of the fans that were here at Old Trafford today about Jimmy Anderson, who uh, uh, went wicketless today. Uh, he came close a couple of times and bowled uh, pretty nicely, truth be told. But it was uh, Stuart Broad and Chris Wokes who really came away with the uh, the headline-grabbing moment. So we're going to hear from Stuart Broad very shortly. But let's uh, cross to Blackpool. The World Match Play Darts uh, continues today. And uh, watching the action, and I believe there's been a cricket-themed walk-on at some point uh, this evening, is Talk Sports' Abigail Davis. Yeah, there has indeed. The quarter-final lineup will be completed tonight. And right now, Aussie Damon Hetter, who took to the stage in his cricket cap and playfully bowled a plastic ball into a far from impressed English crowd, is leading Brendan Dolan. No short balls, but far superior finishing. Dolan has missed 14 attempts at the outer ring, and Hetter is 8 from 15. He's just taken out a sublime 150 and a 91 on the ball. He is leading at the moment and could make the quarters for the first time. You can catch full comments on TalkSport 2 right now. Brilliant stuff. Yep, head over to TalkSport 2 uh, if you fancy a little bit of live darts action. OK, I've uh, been promising Stuart Broad for the last half an hour or so, so let's hear from him. He's just spoken to the media and he was asked what it is that makes uh, Test cricket so special. I've definitely got a, an addiction to Test match cricket, an addiction to the competitive side of it, and, and ultimately Baz and Stokesy have... Uh, what would be the right saying? Sort of giving me a new lease of life in a way. You know, it's, uh, you know, the, it's such a free, free changing room. It does feel in the nicest possible way that you're playing club cricket, uh, but you are doing it at the highest, highest level. And that's such a, a great place to be as a, a, as a 37 year old because uh, you're turning up each day with, with it being really fun, really enjoyable. Um, there's, there's no fear of failure there. There's no judgment. Uh, and it's all about taking the game forward and moving the game forward. And I think that suits my style of play as a cricketer. So, yeah, I mean, I, I owe a lot in the last sort of 14 months to, to the way Baz and Stokes have brought energy to the group. And I think I've been able to, to match that energy and, and move myself forward as a player. So I, I, found it, I found it really enjoyable. I'd argue it's probably been the, the most enjoyable year of my, my whole test career, which is, which is an awesome thing to say. It, you know, I, I, I have, I do, I'm a very competitive person on the field and, and I think that Australia bring the best out of me on that front because they're so competitive as a group as well. So, uh, it, you know, it's, it's, it's great to be involved in some, some brilliant battles throughout this summer with, with, with Australia. And, and to be honest, I've, I've, I've loved every moment of, of this series. It's been the series that just keeps on giving, really. Absolutely. Uh, amen to that. Wicket number 600 for Stuart Broad today here at Old Trafford. Um, but Harmy... Would Stokes have taken 299 for eight at uh, the start of play this morning? Or would he have hoped to have, well, of course he would have hoped to have been batting by, by now, but would he have taken it? Would he have taken 299 for eight? I think he would, because I don't think the pitch was, I don't think it was a, a 200 all out pitch. And I think Ben knew that. I think Ben Ben knew that at, at the start. It wasn't a, a 200 all out pitch. Um, and I think once it's, the game started, it was evident that it was a, it wasn't a 200 all out pitch. I think Australia have missed a massive opportunity here because we, when you look at you know four the was it four the top six 
have got 40 plus, two have got 50, and another one's got 30. Tells you there's no real, there's no massive demons in this. England have bowled good disciplines, stuck together, and I think a great workmanlike performance is getting England into the position they're in. So from that point of view, I think Ben might, especially at lunchtime, would have gone, if we can get them out for 350, 320, do you know what? You know, we've, we've done well here, and I think we'd be, we'd be happy to drive the game from there. Warner was going at about a runner ball. Smith was going at about a yeah. runner ball. Head was going about a runner ball. Mitchell Marsh was going about a runner ball. I was slightly surprised by what Jared said about the fact that there was movement all day and how, of course, Australia, they could bowl England out for 200. But we know that. But still, I just think that the way that England go about things, you can see that England could get on top of Australia. They get off to another decent start. They, I think they would have taken a score around 250 to 300 for sure. Um, and what it means is going into day two, if England dominate day two, then they're going to kind of be in control of the test match up until about day four, no matter what Australia do. Well, they'll be in control when the weather comes because the weather's coming. We know the weather's going to come Saturday, Saturday stroke Sunday. So if they're ahead of the game, then then Ben's got the decision to make the roll the dice that he needs to do to, to try and win the game. So that's what he wanted right from the very, very start. That takes, in, even, even tomorrow, you know, England have got a bat well. But when he was saying there was some movement, there was some movement around. But the margin forever from a bowling point of view was so small. You, know, you got the ball just slightly off. And it, it raced away for four. There was, I think Stuart Broad said afterwards, he said he, the middle of the on a, on a wicket which did a little bit. You couldn't believe how much, how many times the bat, the ball hit the middle of the bat, which for me tells you the pitch is, a, is not a bad, it's not a bad pitch to bat on. I, it's just I, the small margins of error when it I, does the movement. I've got a feeling tomorrow it'll speed up a little bit as well. Maybe yeah. not necessarily on the strip so much, but certainly. You know, there's a fair bit of water on the outfield in the lead-up to this test match. And there were quite a few shots that Headingley would have just absolutely raced to the boundary. But today they just slowed up. Tomorrow after, you know, it's not been blazing hot, but the sun's been out for a good four or five hours. Dried it, dried the outfield up. Been windy as well. And windy, absolutely. So tomorrow it could actually speed up a little bit. Um, conditions are going to be similar to what we saw today. So, yeah, I mean, if you think about the wickets that fell on day one, it's not like that there were plenty of plays. There, was, there wasn't a lot of plays and misses. There was a couple of edges that dropped just short, but no more than you'd expect. Um, there, was, um, there wasn't any real out-and-out out terrors. So I think that England have got a superb opportunity here. When you look at, the, you look at where Australia are at, you know, eight wickets down, you know, there's, been, there's been four LBWs. And the four LBWs, two or three of them are just not so much poor batting, just poor judgment on not basically missing straight balls. Uh, so, you know, Nick, you know, there's a couple of nicks, you know, big shot by by um, by Travis Head to, to get broad 600 wicket and a good catch by Joe Root. So, I think a lot of it comes down to a little bit of discipline, something that England haven't shown over the course of this series with men back with the plans that Australia have got. But the one thing I think England are getting better at in this series, I think, is playing situations better. I thought the second innings at Edenley was a, a, was, a, a, was a brilliant way of the, the, the baseball evolving into playing the situation. If they do that tomorrow on a pitch which is not a bad pitch, you know what? I fancy England to go and get 350 tomorrow. And if they do that, then it gives Ben the game in his hands when, like we say, the rain potentially could be coming. I've never... I've, I don't know if you can. I've never gone into a test match with more talk about weather... Um, on days four or five. I mean, 
it's 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 quite unusual. I would hate to see England feel that they need to be reckless on day two. I, and exactly what you've just said. I, I think they they go out tomorrow, yeah. and they just if they bat till lunch on day three, and they've got a lead of a hundred, hundred, hundred and fifty. That that may be all they need, and they don't need to go crack. They do not need to press T for turbo. They just need to bat normally. And I think Ben said that at the toss, didn't he? The weather will come. We'll we'll dictate. The weather, when the weather comes, that'll dictate when, if we have to gamble. I think tomorrow it's about how how England basically bat against this very very good Australian bowling attack. And I think if England can get on top, like I said before, Best Dogs are you know, taking that catch today. He's he's big, uh, big confidence booster, and he's at number seven. Well, we, if England can get off to a good start with Besto at number seven. Somebody, somebody to bat for the for the for the innings. You know the Joe Root special of the way he's played at, at Lords, at Ben Stokes, another special innings. Somebody goes and gets a hundred for England tomorrow. That could go a long way of England winning the Ashes because if somebody gets a hundred tomorrow, the way England bat around that person, England will be 350 tomorrow. And if they get to that point, seven or eight down, then they're, yeah, then they're in control of the game. Brilliant stuff. We'll, uh, we'll, uh, we'll be back following all the action on day two uh, at Old Trafford. The weather absolutely fine tomorrow and uh, potentially on Friday as well. So uh, hopefully England can wrap up those last two wickets early and, uh, and then get stuck in. England's bowlers have done the job today and uh, tomorrow we'll find out if England's batters can back that up. Harmi, thanks for your time tonight. Big thanks for, for listening to the show. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 